Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. My name is Terry. I'm one of the pastors here. And if you are here for the first time, uh, we are continuing a message series entitled The End of Religion. And if you were here last week, we talked about the definition of religion, that religion was created by man to be able to foster mankind's relationship and faith with Jesus Christ. And so we talked last week about uh, sometimes, obviously, we are, we are men, we are humans, we are sinful. And so when it comes to religion, there are thousands of different denominations and lots of different religions. And we're all going to, one of us is going to get to heaven and we're going to look at Jesus and say, which one of us are right? And we're all going to be illuminated into his truth. Um, but we talked specifically last week about religion really needing to be fulfilled. And that fulfillment came through Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ came not to abolish the law, not to abolish the religions, but he came to be able to bring the heartbeat behind the religions. And so today we're going to talk specifically about another time that Jesus comes in and he's going to take on the religious establishment. He's going to battle them a little bit. And he's going to speak to the heart behind the message that the religious leaders were trying to teach. Now, in order to kick this off, um, before the pandemic happened, my wife and I, we were going to a movie. And so we went ahead and we started driving towards the movie theater. And then all of a sudden, she says to me, she goes, Terry, can you stop? I have to go to the store for just one thing really quick. And I said, sure. And it happened to be right next to a grocery store. So she gets out of the car, and, and then I get out of the car. And she says, well, are you going to come with me? I go, no, no, no. I'm just going to go in the grocery store for just a second. She goes, why are you going? I'm like, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. So I went in the grocery store, and she went in hers. I, I came out of the grocery store, and, and I had a jacket on because it was a little cool outside. And she noticed as I was walking that my pockets were really bold, big, and, and bouncing against my chest as I was kind of walking out. And she was just like, what did you buy at the garage? Yeah, that's, that's fine. She goes, what are you doing? I'm like, no, worry about it, don't worry about it. So we drive to the movie theater, we get out, get out of the car, and she goes, why are you bringing, whatever is in your pockets, why are you bringing it? Like, shh, it's fine, shh. So we go in and we, we get in there and all of a sudden she goes, she goes, are you gonna get popcorn? I go, no, I'm fine. She goes, when have you ever been fine without snacks? I mean, seriously. And I said, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. I don't, I don't want anything. She goes, okay. So we go into the movie theater and the previews come on. Now, I just want to tell you, because you're getting where I'm going here. The previews go on. It's really important. I want to make two words, and you can write these down. This is really important for life. Volume matters. Because all of a sudden, there's a really loud portion of this preview. So I reached into one of my pockets, and I grabbed something out. And then as soon as I was about to make some noise the volume went from 100 to zero, and all of a sudden, the whole movie theater, including my wife next to me, heard this. And my wife looks at me, she goes, what are you doing? She goes, you're not supposed to bring that in here? Everybody is staring at you. I'm like, I said, what? I said, I brought a few snacks. And she goes, she goes you're supposed to buy those at the store. You don't say, and, and I go, shh, movie, 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 shh. So all of a sudden, she gets quiet again. Volume goes up again, and all of a sudden I reach into my other pocket, and it's, it's a package of snacks, and it is the loudest container you could ever imagine. And I'm like, and she's looking, and the sound goes dead, and people, people start giggling in the movie theater because they know someone has smuggled in snacks to the movie. 
So I get done with the movie and I walk out and she just looks at me and she goes, she goes, why? She goes, she goes, you know that you're not allowed to bring snacks into a movie theater. You're supposed to buy it. That's how, you know, that's how they make their money. You're supposed to do this. I look at it and go, honey, you go, everybody does it. I mean, that's, I don't even know if that's a rule, but everybody does it. What's the big deal? And I'll never forget what my wife said to me. She said, honey, just because everybody does it doesn't necessarily make it right. I was like, oh, kill joy, fine. But isn't it true that in life, we all have that story where we justify our actions or our behavior by saying the words, well, everybody, everybody does this. Everybody does this. I mean, think about it. Today, when you leave from church, some of you are going to be on King Street or you're going to be somewhere else, and you're going to say, well, everybody speeds a little. I mean, what's it, five miles an hour? I mean, the police don't care about that. Nine miles an hour for some of you are a little bit more, you know, drastic. You know, it's not a big deal. Everybody speeds. If you're a yellow personality, if you've done a personality profile, you know us yellows, we're, you know, we're just extroverts. If you're a yellow, we can, everybody exaggerates a little bit. I mean, it's, it's okay. If you're in the church world and you go to lunch with some friends and all of a sudden the topic of conversation turns negative about someone else, um, you know, you might say, well, everybody gossips a little bit. And, and it's okay in the Christian church because after you gossip about someone, as long as you pray for them, it's okay. It's a prayer request. Everybody tells white lies. And then, you know, I grew up, I was a baseball coach and I was a baseball player, and I know we have one of my favorite teams from Pennsylvania, I think, am I right? Got that right. Right, A round of applause for our baseball friends. But isn't it true that, you know, you don't go out in the field and you don't sit there and look at the opposition and go, let's go out and kick their butts. You did it just, you know, because so everybody curses a little bit from time to time. I mean, it's, it's, you know, we're humans. It's nature. I mean, it happens. I think we all can look in our lives and we would say there is something that we couch with, everybody does. Well, if that's you, then I want you to lean in. And for you type A's in the room, let me tell you where we're going. We're going to talk about an interaction between Jesus and one of the experts of the law. And what's going to happen is the expert of the law is going to try and trick Jesus, and so Jesus is going to get into a conversation. And then after Jesus, he slam dunks, he wins this one. After he gets done with this conversation, then he's going to tell a story. And there, we've heard this story, if you've been in church for a long time, you've heard this story before, but I guarantee probably most of you have not understood the real meaning behind this story. And Jesus tells this parable and this story to get to a point, and I think it's going to speak to you and I today, because I think for a lot of us, in our faith, we become stagnant. If you, if you want to sleep for the next, guys, if you want to sleep for the next 25 minutes, I'll give you the moral of the story, all right? You ready? For a lot of us in this room, we live our faith and we get to a comfortable place. And, and if you're young, you've got room to grow, but a lot of us, we get comfortable in our faith. And we get to a place in our faith where all of a sudden that word everybody comes out. Where it's like, well, everybody does this. It's not that bad. Everybody does this. And what happens is, is when we get to that place in our faith, we stop growing. And we stay the same. And one of the dangers is, that's what the enemy would love for all of us to do, is not grow anymore. Stay right where you're at. Because the enemy knows that there is power when we grow. There is power when we take steps of faith. That Jesus can do a lot in our lives if we just trust him more and more. And so he'd like nothing more than for all of us in this room to just be able to excuse behavior by saying, everybody does this. So if that's you, I want you to lean in. And so let me tell you what's going to happen. In the synagogue, in the areas of teaching, all of a sudden you have, like I told you before, you have people debating scripture. Last week, you can go to last week's message, you heard a lot about that. 
but there is always an expert of the law that is in the group discussion. And did you know that the expert just sits there and he listens? And if something is said that is not accurate with the scrolls or with the scriptures, then the expert is supposed to stand up, kind of the authority, and say, that is not actually accurate. The scriptures actually say this. He's the expert. So they usually just kind of sit back, and they don't usually do most of the teaching. They're kind of just the judge. They kind of play the judge role. Well, all of a sudden, the expert of the law is going to stand up, and he's going to engage Jesus because he doesn't like Jesus. He's threatened by Jesus. And I want you to see this expert, what he does with Jesus. Take a look at this, Luke chapter 10. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. So right off the bat, we know that this expert's heart is in the wrong place. This expert just wants to trick Jesus. He wants to get him to say something that is heretical. And if Jesus does that, then he has to be stoned. So that's what he's there for. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so I love Jesus. By the way, if you're a leader or if you want to be a business leader or something and someone asks you a question and you know that they're setting you up, Jesus gives us a great example here. Don't answer the question. Instead, do what Jesus does because Jesus returns a question with another question. Take a look at what Jesus says. He says, well, tell me, expert of the law, what's written in the law? He replied, and how do you read it, expert of the law? And so the expert of the law now, the ball, the ping pong is hit back in his court. And now he's the expert, and so guess what he does? Watch what he does. He says immediately, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Notice what just happened. The expert of the law just asked Jesus, hey, Jesus, how do you gain eternal life? And Jesus says, tell me what you think. And then he turns right off the bat, and he answers the question. Well, of course he did, because the expert of the law knows the answer. And Jesus knows his heart. And Jesus knows, you're not here to ask me that question. You're here to trick me. You're here to get me to do something in order so they can stone me. I'm not foolish, so why don't you tell me what it is? So he answers right off the bat. Now watch what Jesus does. Stay with me. It gets fascinating. Jesus says, you've answered correctly. Now do this, and you will live. Now pause. The expert of the law said, Love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. That means with everything that you got, that you have to love God. But then right after, the expert of the law knows in Deuteronomy, it says right after that, that you're to love your neighbor as you would love yourself. And by the way, I love me. I'm a baseball player, by the way. I could beat all of you in baseball, I'm just telling you. I play college ball. I coach college ball. I could take a ground ball better than any of you guys. I love me pretty much. And so when we say, love your neighbor as yourself, that means I must love you a lot because I love me. Does that make sense? And so all of a sudden, this expert of the law is sitting there saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus looks at him and says, expert of the law, you just tried to, don't miss this, this is where you lean in. You just tried to trick me to have me killed. You just said the way that you have a right relationship with God is to love me as you love yourself. And Jesus looks into the eyes of the expert of the law who just tried to trick him and says, now do this, and you'll live if you do this. That was a stare down. That was a moment. The expert of the law felt it in his heart. He knew exactly what, teacher, what Jesus was talking about. He was caught. You just said the answer, and you're not living the answer. How many of us have been in church, and we say one thing, and yet we do another? And we're like, oh, but everybody does this. And so watch what the expert law does as he gets uncomfortable and he starts getting nervous and he starts sweating and he's like, oh, 
Watch what he says. But the expert of the law wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, but Jesus, can you explain a little bit more? Who's my neighbor? Explain it. Who's my neighbor? And I've always flown by this passage. But the truth is, is that he was caught and he tried to shake the attention away. It's like, yes, I'm trying to kill you. Yes, and, and I know that's wrong, and I know that I'm not supposed to do that. But just, well, 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 explain what a neighbor is, Jesus. And I think we all do this, don't we? We do this in church, where all of a sudden something is said, and we're like, oh, that's me. And by the way, I know what it's like to sit next to a spouse, and all of a sudden the spouse knows our dirty secrets, knows how bad we are in some areas, and all of a sudden a pastor or someone says something, and they're like, <clears throat> they're giving the old elbow of righteousness. You know what I'm saying? And what we do is, Rather than humble ourselves and rather than say, you know what, you're right. I'm a sinner. I, I need to do better. We justify, like the expert of the law, don't we? Some of us justify our behavior. We justify our lifestyle. You can go to the next slide, guys. We justify the status quo. And I say that because we don't, we just, we've gotten to a place, remember I told you, we've gotten to a place where we don't want to do anymore, and so we want to justify the status quo. I don't want to change. I don't want to work harder. I'm happy with where I'm at, and so I'm okay with justifying the status quo. I'm okay with justifying my stubbornness. Let me give you a case in point, um, and, and hold it right here on this screen, guys. Hold it here for a second. You know, I, as a pastor, I love meeting other individuals, whether it's at baseball games. Yesterday, Jennifer and I were at a baseball game from Myrtle Beach, and I love meeting new parents and new individuals and love talking, um, you know, with them. And, and I, we, we do care about learning their stories. And, and one of the things that I love is, is all of a sudden, well, God will bring an opportunity where they will say, ask a question about church or ask a question about faith. And I love the opportunity to be able to talk with them about it or explain it. However, in my younger years, I was often overzealous. And what I mean by that is if I was sitting there and I was like yesterday sitting in the stands full of individuals, in my mind I'd be like, I've got to look for an opportunity to talk about Jesus. I've got to look for an opportunity. It's a true story. I'm sitting there watching this baseball game and people are there. I'd be sitting the whole time going, I've got to figure out how to talk about Jesus. And so what I would do is, is all of a sudden at the end of a game, there was one boy, he came up and he went three for three. And I would do this. When all of a sudden I would, they would say, oh, he went three for three today. He had two doubles and a triple. I would say, that's awesome. You know how you went three for three, right? Do you know who gave you the power to go three for three, right? Do you know that it says that I could do all things through Christ who gives me strength? And you know who gave you the strength to go two for three for three? Jesus. And I like to say that that's kind of like a Jesus juke. It's kind of like, you know, faith is not a part of the conversation, but we get so overzealous that we want to go ahead and we want to take faith and we want to go zoom and bring it over here. Well, we do the same thing in an opposite way. We do what I like to call a justification juke. And you know what a justification juke is? is that all of a sudden we get called out for something that we might have done wrong and immediately to get attention away from the fact that we did something wrong, we justify it and we bring their attention somewhere else. Case in point, the other night, Jennifer, my wife, she said, Terry, would you fold the clothes that are on the bed? I said, sure, honey, not a problem. And so all of a sudden as I'm going into the bedroom to fold the clothes, I get a phone call and I start talking on the phone. I walk out of the bedroom, I keep talking on the phone and then I hang up the phone and I go down and I sit and watch TV. All of a sudden, Jennifer says, Terry, did you fold the clothes? And I ran upstairs, I'm like, oh! I said, you know what, I got a phone call, I got distracted, and so the reason why I didn't fold the clothes is because it was a really important phone call, so I had to go downstairs so I could not fold the clothes. That's what I like to call as a justification juke. Terry, can you throw the trash out for me? Sure, honey, not a problem. And all of a sudden I walk by the TV, and the Chicago Cubs, who are God's team, are playing, and I've gotta watch the highlight. It's there. 
Terry, why didn't you throw the trash out? Oh, well, there was, there, was, there was a great highlight. I mean, they just signed a really, really good player. I had to watch them. You understand. Justification juke. When the truth is in our life, let our yes be our yes and our no be our no. Why can't I just look at my wife and say, honey, I'm sorry. I got distracted. I'll fold the clothes right now. Honey, I'm sorry. I should have thrown the trash out. I got distracted. I apologize. And the expert of the law got called out in his heart. And rather than the expert looking and saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, you're right. I was trying to test you. Rather than him doing that, he says, who's my neighbor? And Jesus knows it. Now, this is where you lean in because then Jesus is going to tell a story. And I want you to see this story. And I want you to focus on the three characters in the story. And we're going to talk about it just briefly. Take a look at this. Jesus said to him, I'll tell you who the neighbor is. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. By the way, from Jerusalem to Jericho, it is 17 miles and it descends something like 3,000 feet. So it's a a long road. It's a narrow road. It's a dangerous road. And individuals get robbed all the time on this road. So this expert of the law would have known this. It says he went from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. They went away, leaving him half dead. And all of a sudden, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So then, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, he pouring on oil and wine, He put the man on his donkey. He brought him to an inn and he took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense that you may have. And then Jesus looks at him and says, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? Now, really quickly, lean in. The three individuals that Jesus told the story about First and foremost, he talked about a priest. Now, a priest served in, the, served in the temple of God and offered sacrifices. And so a priest, to the expert of the law, is well respected. A priest, in the eyes of the Jewish people, is a hero. And so when Jesus says, the priest, the hero, walked right by him, you can imagine the expert going, ooh, that didn't feel right. The Levite, the second individual who also walked by, is assisted the priest in the temple services and the order. The Levite is the one, the individual that went ahead and led in worship. And the Jewish people adored Levites. And Jesus said, he passed them by. But do you notice in the scripture, and this is where it gets interesting, you notice where Jesus said, then to a Levite. But then when he talked about a Samaritan, what was the conjunction that he used? You English major, you like that, right? Conjunction, big words on a Sunday. But what was the conjunction? It was, but a Samaritan. And do you know why Jesus said that? It's because Samaritans were despised. Samaritans were not people to the Jewish people. In fact, the Samaritans were from the northern kingdom. Just a little history lesson. The Samaritans were Jewish individuals. And when Israel, when they split up to the two different kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, when you had Israel and you had Judah, The Samaritans were in the northern kingdom and they had really bad leaders. Bad leaders that led them astray from God. Bad leaders that led them to do detestable practices. And so then, when they got conquered, the Jewish people that lived up there, they decided to marry, intermarry with the Assyrians, with the conquering group. And so the generations then afterwards were individuals mixed with individuals who hated God. 
And that was a no-no to the Jewish people. So in the Jewish faith, you despise Samaritans. You don't even look at them. They're not even people. And so when Jesus says, but you know what, expert of the law, the Samaritan not only showed pity, but took care of him. Now, I'm almost done, so lean in here for a second because I'm going to take you on a rabbit trail. The word pity that Jesus used is also a word that we use for mercy. And Jesus, on the Sermon on the Mount, once taught about mercy. In Matthew 5, 7, take a look at what he said on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus said, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Do you know what mercy is? Mercy speaks to forgiveness and love. Do you understand what Jesus was doing? He looked at the expert of the law and says, you know, there's this Samaritan that you hate and you despise you just got done saying that in order to inherit eternal life, you're to love God with all your mind, soul, heart, and strength, and then you are to love your neighbor as yourself, which means to love others the same way. And I just mentioned the word Samaritan, and when I did, you recoiled because you don't think that person's human, which means you have a place in your heart that you block off from me, that you, you justify certain things in your life as okay when I'm telling you through the word it's not And so Jesus looks at him and says, showing mercy to someone is showing love, unconditional love and forgiveness to someone. So let me ask you, expert of the law, out of the three individuals, which one's the neighbor? And the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy. Here's what I imagine. I imagine that interaction. This is why I wish I was there. Do you notice that he didn't say the Samaritan? Do you notice that what he did was he looked at Jesus. I could just imagine him looking at Jesus going, the one who had mercy on him. Because he knew he was caught. And what did Jesus say to him right after that? Now go and do the same. Go and love the way God calls you to love. Stop justifying your behavior. Just because they're a Samaritan doesn't mean you have the right to have hatred in your heart, expert of the law. If you truly are an expert of the law, you know the truth that you are to love others as yourself, yet your whole life you have been talking bad about the Samaritans and hating the Samaritans and showing others that it's okay to justify certain things. I like to say that for some of us, Jesus says, look, our faith was not designed for a moment. And I like to even say acts of love and kindness were not designed for the moment. In other words, mercy wasn't designed for a moment. Mercy was designed for all of mankind. You see, the story of the Good Samaritan wasn't about someone in need. That's what I love about this. It has nothing to do with the guy that was mugged. The story of the Good Samaritan was in the title. Because like we just learned, the Jewish people actually knew no good Samaritan. But yet the Jewish people figured out a way to justify certain aspects of their life and say it was okay, justifying their behavior. And Jesus came behind the religion and said, let me fulfill the law. It's not okay. It's not okay to say everybody does. And so you have to look into your heart and you have to make sure that you don't say everybody does.
you know, in counseling. I will typically have a couple, and, and I counsel a lot of couples here at our church, and, and when they come in, usually communication and conflict resolution are the top two topics that we end up talking about. And one of the tips that I usually give them is, is never say never and never say always. And the reason why I tell them that is very simple, is that nobody has always done something and nobody has never done something. The truth is the only person who's always done something or never done something is Jesus because he was perfect. And none of us in this room have ever been perfect. And so we don't know if we've always done something or never never done something. So when was the last time that you've said always or never? Well, everybody does that. He always does this. And because we always do this, it's okay. Well, I would say this. Every time we use the word always, never, or everybody, the truth is we're lying to ourselves. The truth is we're justifying like the expert of the law. And what we're doing is, is we're saying, God, I don't want to grow. God, I don't want to change. God, I don't want to improve. And in order to not be convicted, I'm going to look and justification juke, I'm going to say, well, they all do it over here, so it's okay. And meanwhile, I would say to you and I, that's the enemy's biggest dream. So I'm done, but I would ask you this. What is the one area of your life that you are justifying before God? Just one. I have many. But what's one? And whatever that one justification is, today is the day where you have the opportunity to look Jesus in the eyes and say, God, I don't want to justify anymore. I want to open my heart. I want to begin to grow. I want to begin to be made new. And if you know that about Christians, every day we have the opportunity to be made new. Every day we have the opportunity to change. Every day we have the opportunity to humble ourselves and to be changed for our kids, for our spouses, for our family, for our friends. We can be better if we stop justifying and say, God, you have the power to work within me to change. And so what's the one area that you need to be made new? Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for the message today. I thank you, God, for the story that Jesus shares. And God, forgive me in my faith when I justify bad behavior by saying everybody does it. The truth is, God, that's a lie. And so, God, what is the one area of my heart that I've hidden from you? the one area that I need to give to you, the one area that I need to humble myself, the one area that I need to stop justifying, the one area that I need to start improving upon today with your power and strength. God, give me the courage and the strength today to open my heart, to stop justifying, and to say, Jesus, make me new. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close the service a little differently today. I want you to sit and I want you to reflect upon your heart. I want you to reflect upon the one area because all of us have it. And as you listen to the words of this song, I want you to be praying and talking to Jesus and ask God to give you the strength to be made new. May God bless you.
Carry your new 